How do you scale a business to seven figures? Then how do you scale to eight figures? Then how do you scale to nine figures? If you've ever wanted to know what it takes to grow a business, then you're in the right place. Thanks for tuning in to Scaling with Samir. This show is intended to celebrate and highlight techniques and strategies taught by today's leaders in the business world. Want to know how an e-commerce business started in someone's home to being the world's largest sock store? Want to learn what it takes to become the CEO of one of the largest global online marketplaces? How about actionable steps to building stronger relationships with your customers to produce more revenue? Do you know which numbers you should be paying attention to and which numbers will lead you to success? How will you make your marketing campaigns successful after cookies are gone? Want to learn from the leaders in brand building and attention grabbing marketing? Well, all of those are already in our previous listed episodes, and this episode will be no exception. I interview the top marketers that are influencing the market, making an impact, scaling faster than their competitors, and doing good for the world. We will dissect what they did to get to the multi-million dollar mark. I'm your host, Samir Al-Kamouni, founder and CEO of Fetch and Funnel, which is a performance marketing agency specializing in scaling businesses. Sign up to receive tactics to apply directly to your business to improve results and scale at fetchfunnel.com podcast. At the end of each episode, my goal is to have you feeling inspired and fired up by learning from today's top innovators, marketers, and entrepreneurs. Let's dig into another amazing story about a unique business crushing it and learn from their success and learnings. Hey everybody, welcome back to an exciting episode. Today, I'm super excited to feature Dr. Travis Ziegler, who has gone from an optometrist to pretty much a pro Amazon PPCer from creating his own brand, selling that brand, and now advising, working with, and and running Amazon accounts for a bunch of clients. Uh, We're going to talk about a bunch of really interesting things today. So Travis, welcome to the podcast. Super excited to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Super excited to be here. We'd love to just have you kick off and just maybe talk a little bit about your journey and you know what you're up to these days, but you know maybe a little bit about how do you, how you got there. Yeah. So in 2010, I graduated with my doctorate of optometry and ended up working for someone else, my uncle. Um, I worked at a practice in Columbus, Ohio, which is where I live now. And I got this itch that I just couldn't scratch and I couldn't figure out what it was. And little did I know it was the entrepreneur bug. And I didn't even know what an entrepreneur was, but I did the three things you're not supposed to do in 2014, four years later, I quit my job. I moved across the country from Columbus, Ohio, down to Columbia, South Carolina. And I started two practices of my own, along with my wife, who's also an optometrist. And I went from seeing six patients an hour to seeing one patient an hour, really busy practice to a brand new practice. So again, didn't know what to do with my hands. So kind of got that itch. So did a third thing and started a third business. During that time, we were starting two practices and that business ended up being online. We took a course called Amazing Selling Machine in in 2015. And that course taught us how to sell plastic widgets from China online. And that's what we did. So we came out with this sunglass company and we called it iLove, like an eyeball. And we came out with a sunglass company, built that up to about $3 million. And then in the process, we kind of got sick of selling just pieces of plastic to people. So we transitioned that business and took the profit from that business to build a dry eye company. And we started building this audience around serving people with dry eye because we saw it so abundantly in our practice. And what we had, we also had something happen in our life during this time too, where we weren't, we were told we couldn't have children. 
And we tried everything with Western medicine and nothing worked. We tried Eastern medicine and four months later we were pregnant. And so it kind of shifted us because we were Western medicine trained, shifted us to Eastern medicine. And we started believing in that more. So we actually quit practicing, sold our two practices, went full-time online to build this dry eye community and teach people that suffered from dry eye an Eastern medicine approach, which is mostly just functional medicine. We didn't get into like the acupunctures and the herbals, but we mostly focused on functional medicine. And then we started coming out with products that they used on a daily basis that was more organic, that had fewer preservatives and fewer toxicities to their body. And so we came out with products all around eye care with that, taught them functional medicine, like eating a green smoothie, replacing your breakfast with a green smoothie, drinking more water, stressing less, sleeping better. And we've helped hundreds of thousands of people on their journey for that. And we built up that company, ended up selling it in 2021 to an aggregator in the eye care space, worked for that aggregator for about 18 months and helped build the company even more and helped their, their company as well with direct consumer marketing because they were more of a wholesale and mostly a wholesale model. And then we brought in direct consumer expertise into that, that model. We've now since transitioned out of that. And then in the meantime, cause we're true millennials and true entrepreneurs, we always have side hustles with my two best friends from college. I actually started an agency about four years ago called profitable pineapple ads. And we've built that up and now we service over hundred clients and we're a team of 11. And that's what I do full time now is focus on profitable pineapple. So that's my seven, eight year entrepreneur journey kind of wrapped up in about three minutes or so. <laughs> that's awesome. But, but you, you did what you're supposed to do, right? Find the need and, and serve that need, right? Which I think is, 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 you know, deserves an applause. And then you, you did the other right thing is building a community around it, right? Because that's, you know, you get your baked in marketing, you get, you know, to really help people a lot more. And uh, I mean, I, I think that's awesome. Uh, I'm curious as, you know, as you've built your own brand, now you're running the agency, you've consulted with so many businesses, you're, you know, now you're helping scale a bunch of businesses. You know, I'm curious, like, what's one of your biggest successes that you've had so far? Well, my biz biggest success from a business standpoint was that I love brand and really making an impact in the lives of the hundreds of thousands of people that suffered from dry eye. Because most people, if you're, you're listening or watching this and you're asking yourself, what is dry eye? That's a good thing. That means you probably don't have it. But for people that suffer from dry eye, it's itching, irritation. They can't open their eyes. They can't watch TV. They can't drive. They can't work. And so to be able to help these people and get them off eye drops, because eye drops just cover a problem. They don't, they don't solve the problem. And really focusing on that problem of dry eye and helping those hundreds of thousands of individuals really is probably one of our biggest business accomplishments. And then from a charity standpoint, we also donated a lot of the profits from that business to our charity that we started called the I Believe Foundation. And the I Believe Foundation, then we used those funds to go to third world countries. And we've been to about 13 mission trips and we give eye exams, glasses, sunglasses for those that can't afford it nor obtain it. And then we just started doing surgeries such as diabetic surgery, glaucoma surgery, and then cataract surgery as well. So this is something that we're even more proud of. And that's kind of been our end goal with our mission in life. And we thought we'd get to the stage that we're at now when we were like 60 to 65. But this online space has opened it up and really helped accelerate that whole process. And that's what I'm probably most proud of in my life, my short life so far. 
That's awesome. I, I love that. And I mean, amazing that you're giving back and, and doing the charity. I think that's awesome. Um, and so I'm curious with, you know, with the success of the, of the, you know, selling the widgets and selling the glasses and things like that on Amazon. I mean, it's probably something at that time was a little bit hard to differentiate right from, from others. And, and, you know, if you're just kind of selling a me too product or some, you know, a product that is easily accessible from China or something like that. And so I'm curious as, you know, either as the own, your own brand at that, that you've launched, or as you've been working with other brands, you know, how do you try to make sure that, you know, or what do you recommend other people, you know, should do to differentiate, you know, their products on Amazon? Yeah, the the single best thing that you can do is figure out the problem that your product solves and focus everything around that singular problem. And so your marketing should be around that problem. Your pictures should be around that problem. Your your bullets, your description, your titles should all be focused around that singular problem. And so we've worked with hundreds of brands in the agency, and the ones that succeed are the ones that focus around problems. Not the ones that are just trying to find a product on Amazon, make sure that they can source it on Alibaba and get it up there and try to manipulate the system with reviews and get your BSR down to just be able to focus on more sales. The ones that focus on problems, that's the ones that really win. And that's what we did with our with our dry eye brand. That's what we do with the agency is we try to create a moat around your Amazon listing instead of just trying to focus on PPC and boosting you up the listing or boosting you up the rankings, we try to form this moat. And so when people come to attack you or there's a new competitor in the space, that's lower price. It doesn't matter because you have this moat built around your system or around your listing that just helps propel your sales. And so you continually increase in rank as a result of that moat that we have. So in the dry eye space, we solve the problem of dry eye in the Amazon space. We don't just do Amazon PPC. We form this moat around your listing to help really make you impenetrable. And I want to get into the SEO side in a little while, and I don't want to focus too much on it yet, but I am curious as you're trying to build that moat and you're trying to really talk about you know, what, what those issues are, are you doing that more from a, you know, are you doing that from a little bit of an SEO perspective? Are you doing that from a little bit of a conversion rate sort of optimization perspective or just for, you know, or from, you know, kind of on the CRO side, really just the the differentiation point of, of making you stand out more than someone who just says like, Hey, I have this widget and here it is. If you want it, this is the information about it. And here's the features. Yeah. So the first thing we do is what I just talked about previously is we try to figure out the problem that their product solves and who they want to serve. And then we focus all the copywriting around that. The second thing we do is we focus SEO is not a huge part of our strategy, but it has to be there because it is important. And so the, the second part we do is make sure their listing looks good with a lot of ratings because you have to have four and a half stars or more ratings on Amazon to make it convert. I mean, you just have to do that. If you drop to four stars, your conversion rate is going to pretty much be cut in half. And so really making sure you have a listing that's that's made to convert is key and having that social proof is key as well. And then we start focusing on, of course, Amazon PPC. That's our bread and butter. But one of the big differences is our strategy is we focus on the 80-20 of everything. So 20% of your products are producing 80% of your results. So what happens if you just focus on that 20% of products? Your profit's going to go up, your sales are going to go up. Similarly, 20% of your search terms in your Amazon PPC and in your Google Ads, of course, too, 
20% of those search terms produce 80% of your results. What would happen if we focused on those search terms? And so we focus on those search terms, of course, with search ads. So the person, the, the example I always give is eyelid wipes because that was one of our best sellers. So you type in eyelid wipes, somebody's searching for eyelids wipes, you're showing up in that search result in the sponsored area. But what a lot of people don't do is they, they don't attack the other people that are showing up there too. So if somebody searches eyelid wipes, we're not going to be the only product. There's going to be a lot of products there. And so we're going to be on all those product pages as well. So no matter where you go on that search, whether it be our page or someone else's page, you're going to see our product over and over and over again. It's just dominating search. So we've got good listing, social proof of the reviews, dominating search, and then dominating product product display or product pages with putting our image all over it. And then we like to send diversity of traffic. And so we'll send Google ads traffic as well, direct to your product page listing. We'll also send Google ad traffic to a blog post. And then in that blog post, it's kind of an advertorial. It will talk specifically about the problem that we're trying to address and how your product solves that problem. And then it will go over to Amazon to buy. Now, you being more of like a Shopify agency, you're gonna, that's going to drive you nuts because you don't want that. But that's what we do as an Amazon agency is we do Google ad to blog posts on Shopify and then send them over to Amazon. And so that's kind of the, the beginning of it. And then that creates just this perpetual cycle because on that blog post, we then try to get their email address. And then once they're on an email list, we then email them drip content. And then the third thing we do is on the actual product itself, we'll have an insert or something on the packaging that gets them to opt in to the email address as well, or with an email address as well. And then they'll get on the drip sequence as well. So now we have making sure our listings optimized. We have social proof. We have Amazon PPC search ads. We have product display ads or on the product pages, Google ads direct, Google ads to a blog post over to the product page, and then we're getting their email address. So then we're creating this perpetual sales machine where we keep emailing them weekly or every three days or whatever, and getting them more and more traffic to that Amazon listing. So if they run out of stock or if they get suspended, they're going to drop in the rankings. We turn off all that machine. And then once they get back into stock or they get unsuspended, we turn it all back on, sends an influx of traffic, Amazon boosts you right back up to the top. I hope that made sense. Yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. And and no, as a Shopify guy, I still love that because I want, right? Because for me, I want data and I want to build a list and I want to have as much tracking as possible. Where, of course, if we're sending anything outside of Amazon to Amazon, you end up losing some attribution, losing tracking abilities, right? We're certainly not building a list of our own that we can continue to retarget, remarket to and things like that. So no, I mean, I, I love that strategy and, and, and I, and I love the blog style stuff too, because I think it is a unique way to, to sell to an audience without being too salesy because they mm -hmm. still think they're sort of absorbing this content that is more educational but it still gives you this really great opportunity to be, you know, to be really salesy about it. Right. And I think that that's where, you know, I mean, we've done it for brands who, you know, can't directly really even run ads, right. Like, you know, like a knife client, for example, I mean, these really cool pocket knives. It worked really well for that. Right. Because then we could send them to a blog article 
editorial in nature, run native ads to that, worked really well, right? And I think that that strategy on the Amazon side, I think it makes perfect sense in order to mm-hmm. to build, as you know, to your earlier point, a community and to build a list to to remarket to. Uh, I mean, it, it makes perfect sense because you're going to release new products. You might run sales, you know, and and hopefully you're not building a brand that's just one product that someone buys one time and that's it. Yeah, well, that's how we started. Actually, we just had one product, but our advertorials or our blog posts actually had multiple products on it. And what we did is when we saw another product starting to sell a lot, that would be our next product that we came out with. So these advertorial blog posts had maybe up to five products on it. And our one product that we only had when we first came out was that main product that we featured, but it had other products on there too. And then we were like, okay, this one's starting to sell a lot. We should maybe come out with this. And so we'd come out with that product next. And eventually by the time we sold all of the things on our blog posts were our product. And we actually had three different brands because we actually bought a couple brands too in the process. And so it, it almost looked unbiased even though at the bottom of every blog, we'd say, you know, this is our brand. These are, this is the name of our brand. This is an honest article. We are optometrists, but we do believe in our products are the best out there. And so buying through this link over to Amazon, you'll be buying our products that we wrote this blog. So we always had that disclaimer in there because I believe in being as transparent as possible. And I think that kind of increased the trust of those blog posts as well. And then would you would you just use like Amazon affiliate links for those other products to so that way you could track like what the sales were coming from those? So at the beginning we did use Amazon affiliate links for all the products because there was no attribution links inside Amazon. So that's how we tracked even our own sales as well. And then now Amazon has what's called an attribution link. So inside of your own Amazon PPC, you can actually get an attribution link. And now you can actually track the sales that are coming from that blog post a lot easier than you could back when I first started this in 2017. And by the way, I started this in 2017, but this strategy still works today. And we're sending probably close to a hundred thousand in revenue from blog posts today for our clients and for my, my old brand and everything. So this isn't a strategy that's it's worked in the past. It's not working now, but it still works today. But the cool thing about those attribution links for your own products is you actually get 10% back from Amazon as a result of using those links. And then for the other products that we do feature, we all, we, like you said, we put Amazon associate links in those. Makes a lot of sense. And, it, and it's a great way to almost do like some basic product product research, right? And, and figure mm-hmm. out, I, I mean, I love that strategy to figure out, you know, where you should focus your attention next versus just coming out with a new, new product. Um, yeah. I mean, it was a, it's an interesting strategy. We just, on the previous episode we just had was pretty much an inventor. He's they they have a brand Go Sun where they kind of invent these um, very interesting products that are you know around sort of renewable energy and things like that. But um, you know, and they do a lot of crowdfunding campaigns in order to figure out what's going to do well or what isn't. But this is a much cheaper <laughs> and easier way if you're not trying to completely invent something brand new, right? That allows you to really see yeah what 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 is is a comparable product and then do you ever recommend people to even build bundles and things like that around that when they do start to find like hey i these you know a lot of people who are buying this one product buy these other products from me or from other sellers do you start recommending any strategies like that in order to you know increase average order value or anything like that 
Yeah, so that's one of the strategies I didn't go into about our moat strategy that we talked about a little earlier is bundles. And so Amazon allows you to do virtual bundles, which is through their FBA platform. So you can actually go into your Seller Central account, make these virtual bundles. And then let's say you have, like we had a sty relief kit. A sty is a bump on your eyelid and it's very painful and you'll need to heat it up with a warm compress. And then you'll need to use things like eyelid wipes and a hypochlorous acid spray to really eliminate it. And of course, go see your doctor first. Don't listen to me. But it's um, we made these kits. And so they could go and just buy these kits right away. And so that was one thing that we did just to increase the average order value. And you could actually advertise these kits on Amazon as well. The second thing we do to increase average order value is make multi-pack variations. And so very, you're probably very familiar with this in the Shopify space. But you have your one pack of omega-3s. We sold omega-3s. Then we had to have our three pack and our six pack. And so we, you know, increase or decrease the markup as you went up in the multi-pack variations. But the cool thing about Amazon with multi-pack variations is that, and this is Shopify too, but your three-pack and your six-pack have that higher profit margin. And so you can use, you can go for a higher customer acquisition cost as a result because the three-pack and six-pack is going to have a higher profit. So you can bid more. So what we do is on our single-pack variation, that would get most of the traffic and most of the sales, but we bid with our three pack and our six pack, we'd bid like $25 a click. And so nobody is going to outbid you and you're going to be in that top spot defending your own product. And if somebody actually clicks it and buys it, then you get that, that person off the market for six months and they're buying your product. And you usually still have a pretty healthy profit margin because you're bidding $25, but you only go as high. It's an auction format as most of you guys listening to this know that. And so if you're bidding 25 and the next highest bidder is, let's say three, you're not going to pay that much. You're going to pay $3 a click. And so just keep that in mind when you're bidding that high. I'm not afraid to bid that high because I have such profit margin built in, but that's a good way to protect your listing on Amazon as well. And that makes a lot of sense. And it's important to do that, right? Hold down your turf as well as, you know, potentially upsell a, a product or a bundle, which mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Uh, I'm curious, like what, you know, we're talking about some, some interesting strategies here. I'm curious, what, what are some of like the most common mistakes that you see most sellers are making? Yeah. One of the biggest mistakes that I see sellers making is their Amazon PPC is a mess and they're usually following multiple strategies and it's not really their fault. It's the fault of all the information that's out there. I mean, you can learn so much information from the internet and The key thing as being an entrepreneur, you have to take all this information you absorb and figure out what's going to work for you. And so is my strategy the best with Amazon PPC? I think it is one of the best, but there are multiple strategies out there that work. And so my strategy may not work for you, but it works for 90% of brands. And what I see when we take over sellers account is they're usually following multiple strategies. They're following me because they saw my YouTube channel, but then they're also following my friend over here who also has an agency, but he does a completely different strategy. And so they're trying to morph all these strategies together and they're losing focus. And so what we do is, like I said before, is we focus on the 80-20. The 20% of what you're doing is producing 80% of your results. And so what is that 20%? That's what we identify. That's what we focus on. And then what that does is it increases your sales, which then gives you more profit. And then we can use that other profit to start looking at your other products to increase those as well. And so really making sure you're focusing. 
on that 20%. And this goes anything you do in life. Anything you're doing in life with, let's say, your children, 20% of what you do with your kids produces 80% of the results with them. So what is that with them? Probably taking your phone, putting it in another room, and really focusing on them would be a good one. And then with your business, what products are producing the results that produce the 80% of the results? What team members, what can you do to focus on those team members that produce 80% of your results? Because believe it or not, if you have a team of 10, two of those employees are doing most of the work that are producing the results. And so how can you nurture those employees more one-on-one calls every week, something like that. So that's really what you want to be focusing on. And going back to your question, most Amazon sellers are just kind of scattered and they don't know where to focus their time and energy and their funds. And so that's where we kind of come in and help. Love it. Life advice, business advice, <laughs> PPC advice. I'm curious, not on the life side, because we're not going to cut out 80% necessarily, but <laughs> when we're talking about PPC side, do you, well then, will you just like flip off that 80% so that you can really double down on the 20% or at least focus on building that out further? Or are you just, hey, this is the 20% that's driving results and we really want to focus on it, you know, add more budget to it. How are you usually looking at that? Because I agree with you, you know, there's there's usually a lot of fat that you can find to trim, but sometimes they're still creating results, right? They're still getting conversions, right? It's always like a Google strategy will always run, we'll go through search query report, find all the keywords that you've just shown up for, for a couple impressions here and there. Easy, you know, fat trimming exercise. But I feel like a lot of people will still be stuck to, well, like, hey, this is still driving profitable revenue. Why turn it off, right? Why, you know, why avoid it altogether? You know, so is that... Is that something that you're usually pushing for or how are you normally, I guess, attacking that? Yeah. So it usually depends on their budget. And so if we can attack that 20% of products within their budget, then yes, I have no problem keeping other ones on. And usually what we do is we focus all the budget on the 20% of products that are producing that 80% of the results. And then we'll take the other ones and we'll form defensive ads on those main products. And so what that does is it creates spillover because we're putting more budget towards the main products that produces more traffic and more traffic means more eyeballs on your brand. And so if we have, let's say there's 10 products, we're focusing on two products. We'll put the other eight as defensive ads on that, those two products. And what that's going to help is just visibility for your brand. So our brand, I love, we had, I think 25 products total. And so five products were our main products. They did produce, I think it was 76% of our revenue. And so all the budget went towards that, but then all the other products would advertise on those products. And so when you went to our, our product page, you would also see all of our other products we had to offer and our branding was consistent. And so you'd see our branding over and over again. So that creates trust as well. And then what happens is once they try your product, if it's good, they're going to come back and buy that same product. But then they're going to be like, oh, they have eyelid wipes and then they have a warm compress and then they have a face wash and an eye cream. I'm just going to buy all of these. And so how can you make complementary products to what your customers are already using that makes sense for your brand? So then you can get that spill off as well. And so these other eight products may never be a hero product, but they still may be profitable because you're getting spill off as a result. An example is our eye cream. Our eye cream never really took off, and but we still sold 10 to 20 a day. And so that's, I mean, it was a high-end eye cream. So it was, well, not, people are going to laugh when I say this, but it was a $40 eye cream, which isn't that high-end because you can spend like 200 to 1,000, but it's higher-end for Amazon. And so 
$40 and it costs us $5 to make it or so. And so 10 to 20 of those a day is pretty good profit margin still for not really advertising on it. And so there is a strategy around that, but make sure we have the budget covered to focus on those top two products. And then we'll start going down third best product, fourth best product as we go. Love it. Um, I'm curious on the automation side. There's so many tools these days, so many platforms you get prospected by all, you know, if you got a decent Amazon store, you're starting to get prospected all the time by, you know, all these different new AI solutions, you name it. I'm curious, you know, how do you feel about automation? You know, anything you recommend that people should be, should be utilizing any kind of secret weapons that you have in your toolbox? (laughs) Well, it's not secret if I tell it on the podcast, but we we use, and I'm pretty open about the <laughs> software we use. So we use a core tile software for Amazon advertising, but we do it differently. So if you were to go directly to core tile, you'd have them manage it and you can do that. Um, but that's not our strategy. So we just use core tile in the back end. They give us an open platform, I guess, open source platform. We don't code in it, but we have access to everything that they have access to. So if you were to go to Quartile, you would not have the same Quartile as us. And so we use a very specific strategy that my mentor taught me. Her name's Sheree Yvette. I always give her a shout out whenever I can because she taught me everything I know about Amazon PPC. She changed my business. She changed my life. She helped us build this PPC agency as a result of her strategy. So she taught us the strategy and we use Quartile in the back end and we use it in a very specific way. So is AI effective? Yes, it can be very effective, but... I think you have to do a mix of AI with some manual processing still. So you still have to think and you still have to strategize and you still have to figure out how you want to do this. And you can't just let the the machine learning, the AI go nuts because it's probably not going to do everything you want it to do, but it's going to do a lot. And an example of this is bid adjustments. Bid adjustments are one of those things that is just a mathematical calculation. That's all it is. And you can do this as a human probably once a day if you want to stay busy for the rest of your life. But what AI does is it does it hourly and it changes it hourly based on conversion rates at certain times a day. So it will lower it in the morning because conversion rates usually lower, but then it will raise it in the afternoon because conversion rates are a little higher in the afternoon and evening when people are back home. And so AI can do that for you you as a human cannot change your bids every hour based on conversion rate, based on calculations. You could maybe, I don't even know if it's possible, but it'd be a lot of work for you. And so AI is doing that for you constantly. AI is adjusting top of search placements, budgets and everything. And that's again, a mathematical calculation. What AI is not doing yet is strategizing around things. So those day-to-day manual tasks are now automated. So my team can focus on strategy. Where, are, where should we take this client next in the moat formation? Okay, we've got PPC fully optimized. Where are we going next? Okay, now we got Google Ads. Where are we going next? And so we can take them down the sequence using AI to take care of those day-to-day tasks while we can focus on strategy. So make sure you're mixing those two things to really get the most out of your AI. That's kind of my opinion. I'm sure people differ, but that's just mine. No, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I think it's, and I think that applies to pretty much all of it, right? I mean, these days, Mm -hmm. Facebook, Google, all the platforms are going, you know, very, uh, you know, 
AI driven, right? Where almost programmatic y and, and letting the algorithms really do their thing, which if done correctly, usually will get you the best results. But to your point, you don't want to just you don't want to just let it run itself and not worry about it in any way. Because then, you know, definitely it is in their best interest, you go in the Google recommendations tab. Most of Google's recommendations are to just spend more money and get broad audio, get broad keywords running and things like that, right? Which is going to make Google more money. Um, but I, I mean, I think it's important, right? Because, you know, of course, like we're all talking about chat GPT, it's going to get you 60% of the way there, 70% of the way there and save you a bunch of time, but it's certainly not going to get you hundred percent of the way there. You still need, you still need to kind of input it. You still need to determine to your earlier point, the strategy and really apply, you know, your knowledge and your experience of what's going to work best. But no, I, I mean, I couldn't agree more and especially anything mathematical bit adjustments, any of that stuff. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Cause I think that's really I, an I think easy good, one that, that is just going to always do it better. I was going to say a good analogy is your, your Tesla. I'm sure a lot of your listeners have Teslas cause we're all entrepreneurs. A Tesla, even in full self-driving will get you 80 to 90% of the way there, but you still have to do some manual intervention to get hundred percent of the way there. And so, you know, I use my autopilot all the time, like in my neighborhood going 25 miles per hour, I'll use autopilot. But to get into my garage, I still have to intervene every once in a while. And that's what I feel like is with your AI software, then with a little manual intervention to get all the way there. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, I'm curious, what advice would you give, you know, other founders, other marketers that are maybe trying to break through some, some ceiling, right? Maybe the 5 million, 10 million, whatever it is, what advice would you give them? It's all about persistence. I mean, that's what this game is. And the funny thing with this internet world is we're so impatient now. And if you think about like our parents' generation and how long it took them to build businesses, and they did it for life. They did it for 30 to 40 years. My dad has been at the same car dealership since he was 20. And he, had, uh, I think he was 23 when he started and he is now 73. So he has been with the same business for 50 years. And so we're very impatient in this internet world. We see these super fast exits for multi-million dollars and we expect to get there in no time. And the key thing with this is persistence. Just whatever you love doing, just do that. And if you focus on what you really love to do, Everything else opens up for you. Customers flock to you because you really believe in what you're doing and who you're serving. And if you don't have that, then think about changing your business. I loved the dry eye space because it made such a big impact and I'm an eye doctor. And so I saw it firsthand how it could help someone. In the e-commerce world, I love helping e-commerce owners build up and scale their Amazon side so they don't have to think about the finances as much. They make more profit. So then they can free up their mind space to make the world a better place. So that's kind of our mission is to help 1 million entrepreneurs get financially free so then they can help uplift the world in other ways, whether it be their mission and their brand that we're helping them sell or whether it be just a charity that they are heavily involved with or that they started. And so where is your human life purpose and focus on that? Everything else will open up, but then persistently pursue that. And if you keep being persistent, everything else will be fine. Yeah, I like that a lot. I mean, it's so true. It's yeah. 
friends, colleagues, people will ask me, Hey, you know, I want to start a business online or start an e-commerce brand. You know, what niche should I go into? You know, dogs are huge. And I'm like, do you own a dog? No. Have you ever owned a dog? No. What do you know about owning a dog? Not that much. I don't think that's a good niche for you. (laughs) Right. And so, you know, you went all in on a niche that you knew really well, and then you knew how to make an amazing product and then the rest could, you could figure out. Right. And so I think that that's, you know, if, if it's not, if you're not passionate about it or it's not something you know anything about, then yeah, then you are going to uh, struggle a bit and, and, you know, not to say that you won't be successful, but uh, you know, how, how serious are you going to be about it? You know, versus to your point, just trying to get a quick exit or something like that versus actually trying to build a brand, which, you know, is what we preach a lot on this podcast is really just building a brand, right? How, how important that is. And, you know, I think some people forget that on Amazon. Um, so even helping a friend last night with starting an Etsy business and like, it's important there. It's important no matter where you are, no matter where you're launching your product, you still have to build a brand. Even if you're only one product and that's it, you could still build a brand around it. And I think that's something a lot of people tend to forget every now and again that, you know, they have to remember. Yeah. It's, it's funny you bring that up because when we went through that course back in 2015, all of our products that we did research on that were good were baby products. And we're looking at all these baby products and we're just like, well, we don't have a baby. Like, I don't even know if it's going to be good or not. And so that's why we went the sunglass route because we're like, we know sunglasses and there was a gap in the market. There were cheap $10 sunglasses. And then there was the Ray-Bans and Oakley's of the world, which were really high. So we found that 30 to $40 price point, polarized lenses, higher quality materials, and kind of stuck right there. And that's how we got our start. So cool. Which those Ray-Bans may not even be worth that much. I mean, it's pretty much only one company that runs like the entire sunglasses world, right? Luxottica. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it is. Ours are the same as Ray-Bans, actually. Nice. Um, any book recommendations? Either something that you're reading recently or, or anything that you recommend? Uh, one of my favorite books and, you know, the one that I'm reading right now in our book club is uh, Ego is the Enemy. By Ryan Holiday. It's one of those books that really discusses ego and how to put it aside. I actually make my whole team read it every single year in December. We're doing it in January this year, but this will be my fourth time reading it. And the reason I read it is because most of our problems in this world stem from ego. And if we didn't have that ego, the world would be such a better place. I always make this, I always make this statement whether it's correct or not, if women ruled the world, it would be a lot better just because women don't have that ego that men have. And if you see all the fighting in the world, it's mostly from male's ego and women wouldn't have all that fighting. The world would be a lot smoother. And so ego is the enemy is one of my favorite books for that reason. Awesome recommendation. Uh, Travis, really appreciate you being on the podcast, ton of value here. If someone wants to get in touch with you, work with you, how do they find you? Yeah. Our website is profitablepineapple.com, profitablepineapple.com. And there's an application on there. You just fill out the application. It comes directly to me. And then we also have a community. So on that profitablepineapple.com page, you can join our communities there. It's absolutely free to join our community. We have a paid version and a free version. And this is off Amazon, so it's not on Amazon community. It's a lot of fun. We have about 500 members in there at the time of this recording, and it's becoming very active and engaged, so it's a lot of fun. 
Um, but yeah, that's the best way to get into contact with me is profitablepineapple.com. Awesome. Thanks again for being on the podcast, Travis. Appreciate you having me on. Thank you so much for listening to Scaling with Samir. Please subscribe and leave us a review. Your thumbs up ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. We also have snippets of these episodes on YouTube. Scaling with Samir is sponsored by Fetch and Funnel. We've partnered with hundreds of businesses and generated over $500 million for clients using our trademarked Fetch and Funnel method. If you're trying to scale your business, get in touch with us today at FetchFunnel.com. You can also get content that you can learn and apply directly into your business to improve results and scale on our email newsletter. If you are a successful business that is crushing it and would like to be on this program, please visit FetchFunnel.com slash podcast guest. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.